I'm just a little bowl full of chocolate. Does life have meaning? I am not really sure. The answer is, survey says, ding! No, it does not. This is all a terrible joke. Your, the last, your life is a lie. <laughs> um, I'm thinking 10-minute topics for today. Well, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking 10-minute topics as well, and I'm going to follow that up with, sure am glad I deleted our commentary uh, <laughs> um, based on the... Uh, uh, the scandals going around that the pillar reported about U.S. Or about the worldwide bishops. Sure, I'm glad I deleted that like four second thing we had because I hung out with eight bishops. <laughs> Did any of them? And they uh, all invited me to their diocese. Oh, that's great. That's None great. Other na- uh, yeah, yeah. In 2023, <laughs> like, um, uh, were any of them uh, catching foxes fans? Uh, well, none of the bishops were, hmm. but of course we got to give mad props to fathers, uh, Roberts and Cahill. They literally, part of their reason for bringing me out was how cool would it be if we just brought out Gomer and hung out with them? So they take me, took me last night to the Capitol grill, which is this awesome place. Oh yeah. Wood yeah paneling. Yeah. I've been to Capitol. I've been to oh my Cap- goodness. They're, they're, they're great. Oh my goodness. It was incredible. Great conversation. I love those guys, but the whole event went I, – I give four keynotes in three days. And, Luke, I don't know if you know this, but I tell people I don't charge per talk. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if you know that, but I tell people that. Yeah. And uh, they, they only wanted the four. So I gave them the four. At one point, I told the bishops that they were failing because <laughs> they weren't being fathers to their priests. Uh, that was fun. That was the first talk. Uh, <laughs> Here's why you're failing. <laughs> Sir, we're just here, like, you know. Go on. Now the uh, the uh, the main brunt of the talk was like, "Hey, I know like everyone tells you that AV stuff is the way to a kid's heart, but they already get that everywhere else. Maybe we just need to be more creative about how we bring him Jesus and not worry about the AV stuff." And this guy literally came up to me and he said, "I've never heard anyone say that about youth ministry. Like we were always told, figure out how to do social media. That's all you need to know." Uh, <laughs> who told you this? Uh. Certainly not Bob Rice. People who make money selling stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, so I did. It's funny that you say that. Certainly not Bob Rice. I did a closing. Th- my my um, my last talk today was the 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 right role of fun games and events in youth ministry and their distortion. And the distortion is if you make everything about fun, then the actual content that you deliver will seem flippant, childish, and non serious. But if you make everything about events, you're just swinging from treetop to treetop and real life is lived on the ground and they're going to crash and burn, a.k.a. freshman year. And then uh, I said, and if you want job security as a youth minister, the most important thing you do is manipulate their emotions on retreat. But if you want disciples who last past the you know two weeks after the retreat, you have to do what Dr. Bob Rice says, which is he would have them go out and read and spend an hour reflecting on do I – you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 – and then ask yourself, do I really want to live a life characterized by the Sermon on the Mount? Is that the way I really want to live? And if I want to, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring Christ into my life. And it's like, it's a fundamentally different thing. Fundamentally different. When? I am and not saying. I got, oh, sorry. Go no, I was, I was just going to say, I got more comments about, well, I shouldn't say more comments, but I got a lot of comments about from the priest being like, thank you for making that distinction. Because, you know, you get your more traditional priests that... You know, and I'm exaggerating here, but they just want to put them in a classroom and slap the Baltimore Catechism down and just give them doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Then you got the other priests who are like the liberal priests who want to do more socials and service projects, and they think that that's it. And I, at one point I said, if your vision of youth ministry is to get the people to serve the poor and not understand the gospel or share the gospel, you need to leave the priesthood. You're the problem. And if you're the person who believes – I kind of got a little, a little, a little loosey-goosey, but – I said, I've like, yeah, been drinking. It. I'm here. This Let's morning. do it. Yeah, you're paying me. That check's going to clear, right? <laughs> right? I know a lot of you. No, 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 no. I'm not oh, going to go there. Not going to be went bankrupt. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, not these dioceses. Not these dioceses. Uh, but anyhow, and so then I said, you know, if, if Pope Francis actually brings up in his, um, his uh, apostolic exhortation, Christus Vivit, like you have these kids who have an experience and encounter with Jesus Christ, and then your immediate follow up is now sit in a classroom and let's go through doctrine. And he's like, that 
that often stifles the spirit that you've engendered. So what do you do? And so I was like, you, you can't keep doing this. You can't tell people to serve the poor, but not have it be contextualized within the gospel. And you can't give kids a bunch of doctrine and have it not be associated with the kerygma. That's Pope Francis's whole thing. The catechesis that we give is not like, okay, now let's leave that silly childish stuff of Jesus dying for you behind. And let's talk about the real stuff that matters. No, it's an ever deepening of the kerygma. And uh, it was cool to see a, a lot of priests respond to that. Like, I really do feel like they were never you're, – you're never really led down the pathway of how to stir up faith. You're just taught, like, how to teach doctrine. And those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so it was, it was fun. It was cool. I really, I really liked those priests. Nice. I really awesome. liked them. They were really good dudes. It's always nice yeah. when you're able to walk away from a thing like that. Be like, that was good. Those are good people. And that was a good thing. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, one nice. guy terrified me, but the rest they were good people. <laughs> did he you know who you teacher, are. <laughs> Did he try to like like argue with you? Or uh, I mean, I don't want a long explanation, oh, oh, but no, no, no. And I, I obviously don't want to be all telling tales outside of school. No, no, but, no. no. Uh, this is catching foxes. It's fine. The priests who listen to this podcast will know exactly who I'm talking about. But this guy, I mean, like, uh, uh, I don't shape. even know how to say it. Huh? Was he in shape? Was, what did you say? was that it? No, Wait, he... Was he fit? First words out of his mouth was, I'm Father So-and-so, and I'm a Vatican II priest. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I have a suspicion that I do... <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I tell you, here's the deal. Here's the deal. On all sides, there's problems. People who make liturgy everything have got a tr- boatload of problems when it comes to youth ministry. People make doctrine everything, apostolic teaching. They got boatloads. They think if I just say the right words, dang it, the kids are going to – that's the real reason why they're leaving. It's like, well, it's actually because they don't know that you love them, and you're never present to them, so why the hell should they care about what you say? So that was a summary. Be with them. Just be with them. In all their perfect imperfections, all of the priests need to be with all the youth. This is the white Russian talking. <laughs> Not. <laughs> uh, you ever feel like. Where we do we sh- go from here, Luke? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know. Um, the Matrix has ended. It's a new better help read from your friend Luke. Uh, so you guys have heard us talk about um, better help before at length. And we're going to talk about better. That's H-E-L-P again. Listen, better help can help you get hooked up with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start um, communicating with one in less than like 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional online counseling done uh, securely online. You, you've heard it talked about on our show. You've heard it talked about like a whole bunch of podcasts. Look, guys, God wants you to find from a healing. God wants you to be the person he created, he create you to be. And if you're over the age of 25 and you haven't been to counseling, now is the time. BetterHelp is committed to um, facilitating great therapeutic um, matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And this is cool. Financial aid is available. So um, BetterHelp wants you to start um, living a um, happier life today. Go to their website, read all, all of the testimonies that are on there posted daily. And guess what, guys? Guess what? Go to BetterHelp.com slash foxes. That's BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in, in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. So if you go to BetterHelp you will get 10% off your first month. That is fantastic. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring yet another episode of everyone's favorite podcast, Catching Foxes. You ever, like, hear stuff about the faith, like the Sermon on the Mount or something, and you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But you ever just, like, have have you had more of those if you have gotten older? The older I get, the more I've realized when I was younger, I wanted to do shortcuts through a thing. 
So like, hey, go meditate on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'll be like, I'll be fine with the Beatitudes, you jackass. Like, that's the thing that I do. I always try to take shortcuts. And now I'm like, no, you know what? Like, really thoughtful, mm-hmm. prayerful people put together this meditation, even, even a program, right? I'm like, I'm just going to do the thing. I'm just going to do it from beginning to end. And, and maybe that's where, that's what I'm missing. Point. That's a wonderful so, point. Yeah. Yeah. I always look for, I always look for the shortcuts. I went through a thing with uh, School of Faith for work the other day, and I, and I was um, – it was great. The guy who was doing it was really good, but it, I was t- – you know, just a lot going on. I mean, everyone there has all this stuff going on, and it's like, okay, um, a lot of this is going to be stuff that I've heard before. I really like the dude that is doing it. I, I, like, I like School of Faith, so go and just be positive. And I found myself wanting to, like, not stick with it, and I was like, you know – and, and, again, not because of, like, the person who was doing it or any of the content. It was just just my brain was just like – Oh, I'm unbelievably overwhelmed, and um, as I am in all states right right now. And I was like, you know what? Just like quit being a little bitch and just go do it. And there was something about like I was just like, God, I don't know what you have for me here, and I don't because I feel like I'm such a I just feel like I was in such a crap state to be doing a thing like that. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, but I'm going to go all in on this. And I'm gonna, and but but like by all in, I mean I'm just gonna be as receptive as I can to whatever you want. And I didn't have like a profound moment or anything. There was nothing that was really like you know. And then the skies opened, but it was just like okay, like this was good, this was good, and I can I can I appreciate that. And there just there are some times I'm starting to see as I get older where it's not that there are parts of like the Christian message that I don't agree with per se or things that I that I have problems with, but there's just this kind of thing where I'm just like I just. I just don't care. Like, I just don't care, hmm. and and I, I don't I don't mean like doctrine. Um, although at times it, it can feel like that. Like there's something like uh, someone put a thing, and I, I totally appreciate where this guy was coming from. Like the pillar did an article on the U.S. on CCB, and their finances. They wanted to know like what my thoughts were, and I was like, I, I don't have any because I don't care. Yeah, and I don't know if that's bad or not. I really, really don't, and I'm not saying that it's good that I feel that way, but it, that's just. I'm at this point right now where there are certain things where I'm just like, I'm more willing to just like accept. I think accept might be the wrong way to put it. Acknowledge my initial reaction to something and then wrestle with like the why, which probably is a stupid thing to do. I don't know. But this is just kind of where I'm at right now because uh, uh, COVID's ruining everything. So cheers. <laughs> you know, so like, they're, they're, it's just—it's so funny. Like, there's just certain. Like, I found that as I'm getting older, I like I'm becoming the old guy who like Here, scoffs yeah. at like the music choices at mass. <laughs> yeah. I did it the other day, and I was like, Luke, stop it! What is wrong with you? But they did the like, take a breath, like holy, boom, holy, boom, boom. like you know that that part of mass where it's like, are you really doing it like this? Yeah. And I went, yeah. oh my gosh! Like, like out loud. I there wasn't a lot of people where I was, which is, and I was probably just <laughs> feeling myself. But I, I audibly was just like, oh, because I just can't stand it. I can't stand it anymore. Do you know what like holy? I'm, I'm talking about. I don't think so. Off the top of my head. Oh my gosh! How does it go? Is what? it the Sanctus? But it's like with a big drum. No. Or something? I, what is it? Um, it's like holy. Boom, boom, boom. It's like a modern version of the Gloria or something like that. Oh, whatever. I can't find it. Um, it's just so bad. And I'm starting to hear it more and more at different parishes. I'm like, what, what is this? Why is this happening? Why? Why are you doing this? And, and I, you know, it's a, and again, I have to continually remind myself of that, like, um, posture of receptivity, which is, like, for me right now, to all just be honest, is super, yeah. super difficult because I, I – and I, I um, indulge my – I think, honestly, part of it is I'm, I'm very, very stressed out right now. I think when I stress, I like to react by just flipping out, but I'm not doing that as much about my life. So it's like – it's weird. It's like, it's like the flipping out energy is not really about, like, what is happening to my life? It's more like, what is wrong with you? Like, like that's where it's that's where it's going now, and it's this weird re, like redirect that is just somehow coming out in the weirdest ways. Where it's like, yeah, I don't care about this, or I don't care about that, or like this is stupid, or you know, like yeah, no, but 
here's the deal. So I I think sometimes the older we get, the more we realize the stupidity of some of these very epic debates. Yeah, yeah. In, in the words of Father Benjamin Roberts quoting a Jesuit theologian uh, who actually works with the poor, he said uh, – People with full bellies have vigorous liturgical debates or something like that. And I think, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just first world problems sometimes where we – or young people's problems where we get so lost in debates over a tree and we're really losing the forest. <laughs> but also there is this fun thing when you get older where as an old man you get to yell at clouds. You know, and the kids with their VH1 and their fast cars and their rap music. Sometimes and there's a that- beauty to that, Luke. There is. Sometimes you just call that tree the Pam Geo or whatever the heck it's called. Um, that everyone. <laughs> so there's this thing out there right now called like the um, Mass of the Ages, which is a bunch of horse shit, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I was talking with a buddy of mine who's going to go unnameless oh, because I want to protect his uh, his anonymity about this. And he was just and he was like asking my thoughts. A see anonymity? Uh, no, anonymity. Is that the right word? <laughs> no. Every time you have to pronounce words like that, it makes my heart so happy when I edit because I don't catch it while we're talking. Did I say it right? I'm like, oh. Well, An- uh, anonymity. <laughs> what? What? Dan- Come on. It is, I am exhausted. It is 1030 at night. I know. It's late. It's, I'm not making fun of you. I'm celebrating you, Luke. I'm celebrating okay, you. How- it's not like a C anonymity. It's uh, anonymity. Anonymity. Okay. I'm sorry. We're not recording this at <laughs> 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're after a bunch of prep. Recording this after Look, I've had a fifteen-hour day. Hey, I can't talk. I can't talk. I'm I am six white Russians in, and I think uh, I think a red Russian slipped in. So wait, who so knows it, what I'm going to say? Is it anonymity? Wait, wait, how do you say it again? Anonymity. An- anonymity. 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 Come on, that's a hard word to say. <laughs> a weird word to say. It is agreed. I'm not making fun like, of you. I'm all celebrating, these people who baby. are like, oh, oh, who are like, I'm laughing at it. Like, go start your own podcast, fat ass with a neck beard. Um, <laughs> this is where my head's at right now. <laughs> I know you're so dark, but you're old. You get to get away with that. I know. Right? Oh yeah, when I was your age, I had two podcasts. What do you have? Nothing. So this mass of the ages thing, right? I haven't watched it. I don't care. I just don't care. And I, and I was talking with my friend about it. And this individual just uh, was, was just like, there's some parts of it that are cool, but there's some parts where it's like, why are you just going after the Noah's Order on like this? And I, I just had this thought of like, there are such bigger issues right now. And maybe there aren't. Like, maybe I'm in the, like, am I, like, I could be just in the wrong here, but I'm, like, my heart is so, broken's the wrong word, but just like weighed down by, I really think it's like the pandemic. And COVID and just the yeah. world not really being right yet. Like, it's kind of right, but it's not. And there's this thing that happened. This is the dumbest thing ever. So in the Premier League, that it's dumb that I had this reaction to it. In the Premier League, that's the biggest um, a, a football league out in England. They're not letting their players – the clubs have decided – they said they're not going to release their players for the next international window, which is for a lot of these countries, World Cup qualifying games for countries that are red states. So red states oh, – sorry, red states, red-listed countries. These are areas that either have a lot of crazy stuff going on or due to COVID um, reasons. And it's mostly due to um, COVID. And it made me so stressed because I, I just thought, like, I just want the world to be normal. I don't mean peaceful. I've long given up that hope. I mean normal. And it, like, broke my heart that the world isn't, like, here's another huge thing that's not happening now because the world isn't normal. And I just felt my soul just, it just, like, and which is, again, this, on the things that are important, this is way, 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 way on the bottom. But it doesn't change the fact that it just bums me out. Yeah. And so I'm just like, Mass of the Ages, come on. There are such... There are way more important things. There are way, way more important things than, like, what you think is the most important thing, like, like so you feel comfortable going to mass. Like, I don't know. Am, am I horrible? I'm, I'm I, don't, I don't think you're horrible. At, at this stuff. I, think, I think for me, like, I can, I can largely sympathize with what you're saying because I find that there is so much energy – in weird places, but I, so I had no idea what Massive Ages was. So while you were talking, I fired it up, and uh, oh, it's a, like a three-part documentary on the Latin Mass and what happened between 
the ending of Vatican II, which they are adamant in saying they, you know, they love Vatican II, they promote Vatican II, they're not against Vatican II, but how it went from Vatican II to the Novus Ordo. And people think the Novus Ordo came from Vatican II. It did not. And so, but my, like, I sympathize with you because, they're, like, even on their website, it's like, oh, once the new mass kicks in, people leave the church, marriages, families break apart, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, I get that. But correlation is not causation. And these silly graphs of non-precise you know, things don't really line up and they don't really make a case. It's all, it's all on the face. And so I feel like there is so much other stuff we should be investing and inventing our time. But in the same regard, like when I learn more about Eastern liturgy, so I've been doing, you know, just some, my own research and we had a handful of Orthodox people become Catholic, which is a, you know, right now a lot, um, the opposite is happening. Because uh, of the kind of the chaos in the Catholic Church, and so in my parish, we brought in a handful of people who are Orthodox, and one of the one of the interesting things is so I've had to learn about their liturgy and sacramental life and how they do things, and uh, and it's interesting that they have renewed their liturgy multiple times. They've had a a resourcement, a giornamento of their own liturgies, but it never resulted in the widespread chaos that it did in 1968. Uh, let's yeah. say. 2005 and so he's ruined everything sorry anyways go on well yeah i mean it's what i said to freaking mr vatican too which is dr dr alan shrek i said it seems fascinating that we had a massive council of reform in an age in a in a decade of rebellion and he's like wow that's a really and i was like i I copyrighted that i trademarked it i I dropped it i tweeted it (laughs) every time you say you gotta give me 10 cents (laughs) here's what bothers me is like I went to Old St. Mary's when I was in Cincinnati a lot, like a lot, like to the point where we probably should have changed our parish and made it that. Old St. Mary's is one of, it's not the most traditional parish in the diocese, but like, good luck, I'm finding one that is, and there's like two other ones that are probably more, I mean, it, the, the, it's the, everything is turned around, like it's just, it's a beautiful church, I do the old way, and like there were things that, and it was one of the nicest parishes that I've ever been to, in terms of the people that came up to us and wanted to talk to like um, talk with us and like I had like um, Lucas on the podcast way back when who's uh, who likes all the rat trap stuff and like he's not an asshole and I know like the majority of these yeah. people aren't assholes but the people who have the microphone about this are yeah and, like, they totally are that's what's bu- that's what's like killing me because I'm just like like do you know who loved the like extraordinary form Nazis they fucking loved it and then they murdered millions of people they fucking loved it like <laughs> what. Like, well, they didn't really have it. They didn't have an ordinary form. Well, they had the fuck. <laughs> they didn't like, have the Novus Ordo. Sorry, I'm like so angry right now. If you can't tell, <laughs> I know. But they, what I'm saying is, they didn't have the Novus Ordo. Yeah, well, like whatever. Forties and thirties. Like, yeah, they had the old form, like the old yeah. form of mass. What everyone is like, like I'm, I want to say such horrible things right now. I'm calming. Down. Oh, so you're saying even though the old form existed at the time of the Nazis, they yes, didn't, yeah. who murdered, who did the worst thing humanity's ever done. Those douchebags were going to the, they were like, those were Catholics who did that. And they loved the old, and they were all, I don't know if they loved the mass, but I don't care less. They were all like, but they went to the old style of mass. So the culture that did that brought about the Nazis. So it's not all good is what you're saying? Well, I'm just saying Catholics supported the Holocaust. Like Catholics did have done horrific things. Catholics who went to the old mass who were part of the way that things were. It was not perfect by any it was there was so much evil in the world when that mass was the most dominant form of liturgy that people in the West participated in. It's not this cure-all. Like the guy who was in charge of one of the worst people at Auschwitz almost joined the seminary. And the Balkan Catholics who were very who were very much okay with all the Jews that like, you know, I'm a lived around them just suddenly I'm vanishing and then being in these ghettos, and then all of a sudden they're all just gone and no one seemed to give a shit. Those were Catholics that did that. Catholics that were I just want to scream like, what the hell is wrong with you for idolizing this like for like idolizing the past in this way? Like, what is wrong with you? I get it. It sucks the way that a lot of a lot, a lot of masses are. Like, it sucks. But this is not like shit ain't magic yeah that's what i mean it's not when has this ever been magic ever i think i don't know am i am i nuts 
No, but I mean, there are people who literally think if you just go back to the trending mass, all shall be well, all shall be well. And it's intrinsically frustrating. The most racist stuff I've heard from Catholics are people who are like, this, see, this is what I hate because it's not the it's not the rat traps like it's it's not the traditionalists that like I, I it's not this like the the real the good people who are into this stuff they're not saying the crazy shit right but like the ones who have the microphones the ones who are doing this stuff they are and like that's what I think that's what bothers me about this is like sometimes some well I mean I have a I have a perfect example of that the only time I've ever encountered a legit white supremacist was a rad trad. Uh, a white supremacist who was Catholic was a rad trad, and I had posted a picture on Twitter of this um, New Testament that has six different Catholic translations all right next to each other. So every time you turn the page, you're all on the same page wherever this translation is. So there's there's the Douay Rheims, right? There's the RSV, the ESV. There's like all these different things, right? And this guy gets on there, and he responds to me. You know, you have five other translations that are modernist crap. Why would you even deal with that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, this is all the Jews and they're conquering. <laughs> like, and he goes off on this whole tyrant. And I was like, dude. And he goes, no, shut up and listen to the truth for the first time in your pathetic life and actually believe what the church teaches. And I'm like, pretty sure the church doesn't teach anything you're saying. And he goes, here's a document I'm going to send you. The Jews control your mind. The blacks <laughs> control your mind. And I'm like, what the hell? And I open this document, and this guy had made a spreadsheet of every major news organization in America, and whether they were Jewish run, the CEO is a Jew, or was married to a Jew. And then the ones that weren't, the guy marked, and it was an asterisk. And I went down, he said, probably a homosexual. And so you're going through this, and you're like, what in the hell? See, now someone like that is not going to be drawn to the Nova Zordo. <laughs> well, well I, I think the thing is, is that, like, the craziness of your radical traditionals, again, when it, when it gets crazy, like, like, this is what bothers me so much, is I'm like, you know, everyone I know at Old St. Mary's are not like this. Like, there are some who are, but, like, they're <laughs> all just really good people. Yeah. And, like, you guys are just, like... The worst, <laughs> like you're just, and it. Um, <laughs> I feel like what that stuff does is I think these. I think, I think a lot of people who have these racist attitudes. They would ha- they have them regardless, and I think being a part of a, I think that it's the racism in them that makes things from the past appealing. Not the things. Uh, see, that's, I'm, I'm not hitting this right. Uh, let me let me try to rephrase this. Um. You know, 50 years ago, no one really cared about race, right? No one really cared about race. 75 years ago, in the 50s, if you were white, you didn't have to really worry about it. So there was a lot of stuff that we don't have to concern ourselves with when you have that old-timey vision, right? I mean, that's propaganda's line. Isn't it great not to have to consider race when you're talking about your precious Puritans? Yeah. But now we have to consider race, and that's not bad. It's just like we have to consider disabilities. Why? Because those people are persons and they can be easily excluded based on a non-essential but significant property of their lives. Whether they are deaf, whether they are immobile, right? The the whole movement with disability, I listened to this brilliant lecture by uh, Thomas philosopher Eleanor Stumpf, who's a, a, in a lot of ways like your buddy Brad Bursa's dissertation director. Eleanor Stumpf, I listened to this on the the Tomisa, and she is so wonderful. And she just talked about, like, the awareness of disabilities, not like, oh, like, I'm so proud of you. You're able to do so much. That's like the standard, I'm going to use the phrase, I'm going to use the phrase ableist perspective. But, like, the idea that, like, when I don't have to consider the other in their limitations, then I am free to do a million different things. But, like, that's not the, that's not the real world. Yeah. And I do think there's there's an incredible complication that happened in our society when you start to have to consider race and issues with race. And we didn't always have to do that. And so, so for those weirdos who want to flip back the clock, part of that, you know, for some of these weirdos, that's what I'm talking about. The Just like you're saying, it's not the majority, but these weirdos, yeah. they're drawn to these nostalgic things because they're like, yeah, when a man was a man, a woman was a woman. And everyone was white. Because I, I don't of- think it's like there's 
<laughs> there's the Chesterton line that tradition is the democracy of the dead, or is the vote, and I love that. I love that. Like, or that's, yeah. I'm screwing that up, but I love that. Yeah. I, like, I love tra- like this is what bothers me. It's like I love. No, that's it. Yeah, I love the tradition, and I think it's beautiful. And there's a power to that that is incredible. And I again, Old Saint Mary is my, my probably my favorite place to go for mass at in the country. I'd say it's probably probably my favorite place. I think it is the distortion of that that attracts racist people to the radical tradition movement. You know, so I, I think it's like I, I think it's there's almost like I, so I don't think it's the, the tradition part that is bad. It's just like yeah. w- if there's an idolization of the past, I think it, it it's very easy for people who have racist um, tendencies to want to like latch onto that. And so in a way, I feel bad for like a lot of your heavy rad like um rad trash because it's like this is what I've got to deal with. Are you serious? Like, because yeah. that's not really them. But, you know, I was, I don't know, I was hearing some stuff just like, like on the radio and some people that they were having being consulted on there, like being consulted. I'm like, you're having this dude on there to talk about this stuff? Like, this guy's kind of an asshole. Like, which is fair coming yeah. from you, just had an F bond tirade to get about all this stuff. I don't see anyone winning any of this. I don't see God in any of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't. I don't see how it can be the Lord's will for um, people to, like, analyze the mass the way that they do it in the, like, Liturgy of the Eight. Because there's this part in the, where it's like, in the old mass, you do the sign of the cross 12 times. In the new mass, you do it three times. Oh, my gosh. The world is ending. And I'm like, yeah. what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's the mass. It's a, quanti- it's a quantitative analysis for something that doesn't yield to it, Luke. Come on. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm like. This, like, what? Why? Why? Like, like, ser- I'm serious. What are you scared of? You, whoever, you, you understood. Hey, mm-hmm. I think it's time to go to f- ten minutes. <laughs> no, I want to keep cursing <laughs> at people. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I don't even know how to talk to you. You know, you know how I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to go get another white Russian. Uh, we haven't had this kind of Luke in a while, so it's good that he's coming out again. We haven't. He's coming out. I don't know if he should be. Uh, why don't you get back in? <laughs> oh, like a little turtle. Yeah. You popped your head out. Now it's time to pop your head back in. Please comment on Justin Bieber's growth, both personally and as a musician. Nope. Next question. I, I have no. Well, I, this is why. This is why I brought this up. I have no idea. I know he's like real involved in Hillsong now. Um. I this is a thing that happens. Bob Dylan went through this. And some people think Dylan still is a born again Christian. He just doesn't hide it, but he's just it's not as much in your face as it was. Did you know that like Dylan went through a whole thing? Oh yeah, Bishop Barron talks about that all the time. Yeah, and so and like some people think he's still there. It's just he's just it's just not as yeah. much as in your face. It's not the subject of his songs. Yeah, and he's not you know he he basically became what is now like a Christian artist yeah. <laughs> for a bit. Would preach at shows and stuff. Um, I, I I think like this you know this does happen I I do I do hope that it is a genuine thing I think it's very hard to do that in the spotlight and I have a I don't and I I can't really speak on his, on Have you heard any of his new songs I have no idea No Yeah So Well I can say this Justin Bieber for a while lived with a Protestant non denominational pastor uh, and. He, he lived with him, and then he came out of that, and he said, that was really weird. I shouldn't have done that. And he kind of, like, threw the guy <laughs> under the bus. Yeah. He really did. Good for him. It's like, be like that was weird. <laughs> and the guy, but the guy, if you were to see this pastor, you would not know. You would not think in a million years he's a pastor. He looks like the most hipster person who has ever lived. I don't know. I, I kind of think that's when people, um, look, when, they do, um, look, when they do have that look, I think you're either, like, a pastor or like a hip um, Christian or like, I mean, really though, like that's what they all look like now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm authentic and original. I look like everyone else in your group. That's what we all do. All humans do that. Appeared when everyone wore huge shirts. I'm still in that. (laughs) I wear hockey jerseys that are two sizes too big. Just like Kevin Smith. I, I do. Yeah. I do think it's, I, I mean, I think the thing that would suck about being as famous as he is is, like, you're just – only a saint is really going to be able to, like, speak to your soul. Yeah. And I don't mean, like, a perfect saint. I just mean, like, like 
um, everyone who's around you is not going to see your humanity. They're going to see your celebrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the worst thing to be would be like someone like Paul McCartney because it just like person who was kind of got in his inner circle. She was friends with his daughter or something. She took a picture of them while they were out um, doing a thing and he kind of like almost stopped when he goes, hey, so you can be a friend or or yeah, or cause I think he had a rule of like no pictures or something. And he goes, uh, you can be a friend or you can be a fan, but you can't be both. Mm. And I was like, ooh, wow. Yeah. Good for him. That's that's smart. Like, good for him. Yeah. Like, to be able to set that boundary like that. I think that's – and I think, like, again, like, someone like Justin Bieber, of course some hipster Hillsong pastor is going to invite him to stay with him for a month. Because, like, think of, like, how – you know, he's immediately become a project to this guy if this guy believes at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to presume the good here that he does. But he's immediately just viewed Justin – like, would you invite anyone to, to live in your house for a month? Let's pretend, like, you're single or don't have, like, a whole bunch of kids. If I didn't have kids, I'd be much more open to that unless they were like a hot dude who would steal my wife's eye. Then I would murder them. <laughs> but other than that, I would be more – I mean if I, if I knew the context, right? Like here's the deal about his celebrity. You kind of know the context, don't you? Well, I mean, yeah, but you don't know the person though. True. Like, like this is the thing about the cancel culture stuff that I think also kind of sucks is that there's an element of like this is all based on who this person may or I mean not that's, that's actually not true I'm going to take that back more of when people tweet certain things and you're like you're worse than Satan like I'm like it's a tweet <laughs> like a pattern of behavior that's one thing yeah. ah tweet yeah there, I mean there are obviously like lines but you know let's be a little bit reasonable here that's my issue with like when they canceled what's her name from. The one show, um, Man- Mandalorian. I'm like, it's just weird tweets. Like, who cares? They're way worse yeah. things. But, all right. You ready for the next one? Ready. How will you handle it when your kids in- when your kids inevitably start, da- start dating? Uh, I can already tell you, terribly. Yeah, terribly. Pretty much it. I... I meet men whose you sure high school do. daughters. No, I meet men at my church who are well-grounded men whose high school or college-age daughters are dating people. And I, I, I honestly observe them to figure out how they do it. Because there is not a single man alive who is worthy of Kateri or Cecilia. And I know that's not necessarily a rational attitude. But it's my attitude, and I don't know how to shake myself from it. And I'm sure I, I want to do what Mike Rothkoff did, honestly. My father-in-law would, when my daughter was, when my daughter, whoopsie, awkward. When my wife. That's, that's all sorts of weird. <laughs> in the end, it's all the same. No, when my. The power of editing. When my wife was in high, <laughs> when my wife was in high school and would date boyfriends. Uh, her dad would show up on the dates, right? So he'd be like, so where are you going? And she'd be like, well, we're going to go to, you know, McDonald's and, and hang out, meet up with a bunch of friends. And then afterwards, we're going to go see a movie. And then after that, we're going to go get ice cream. And he would show up at McDonald's. And then he would show up at the ice cream place. He would do that. He'd pop in and she would say like, dad, here's my, you know, here's my date tonight. His name's James. And he's like, oh, John, nice to meet you. And he would, every single boyfriend, he would... Uh, say the wrong name every time and they'd be like oh it's actually james and he'd be like yeah i don't care <laughs> <laughs> so i think there's elements of that that are going to be um living large in my heart i don't think that's necessarily bad but i i'm like kind of not a fan of that not i'm uh, sorry let me put it a different way i i just like um I, who i actually kind of want to be like is um my friend Tristan's dad, her parents were just really awesome and uh, still are. They were. I met them. Yeah. I met just them. Wonderful human beings. And just like they just really cared about you. And I, I yeah. mean, I, I, I mean, I quite literally, there were times I would, I just would go over to their house just, just to hang out. And she wasn't even there. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just here to hang out with your family. Um, God, that's so weird. I, <laughs> I distinctly remember stopping by and she wasn't there. And I ended up just talking to her like a mom and sister. We just hung out for like two hours. <laughs> 
Um, hey, your mom's here. I'll hang out with her. Yeah, it was just so, it was just it felt like the most natural thing in the world. And I was like, sorry. Now, did you or did you not at this time have an attraction or affinity for said Tristan? I mean, it was high school, so the answer to that is yes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well, I, you know, at that point in time, I don't know. It depends on the time period. Like sometimes it was. Did you or did you not confess your undying love for her to see how things would play out? I mean, in college, one time, yes, our freshman year, yes, it was beautiful. It was yes. one of the greatest days of my life. Yeah, and I remember me like, this isn't going to go well, but I just need to get this out there. And you know what's so funny is like, Aaron had a friend like that who would do it all the time. She'd be like, "Come on, stop!" And then just like ignore it. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, your poor friend." <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, every time we'd, if he'd get too drunk, he would somehow be like, this song's about you. And she'd be like, oh, you're so funny. Anyways, good night. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And she would just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not going not gonna to entertain that. Not going to give that one second. <laughs> that, that boat ain't docking in my dock. <laughs> yeah. No, sir. And so um, it, uh, and I, I know they, I just felt like they really cared about me. And I don't know what it was they were. I don't know. I mean, I took Tristan to the homecoming. You know, that's when I really first met them was that when we were a sophomore in high school. So they were just really like um, – they weren't weird about it. They were really cool. I mean, I remember being very awkward. Like, do I like put my arm around her while we're t- – you know, do you put your arm around their waist while you're like getting your pictures? I'm taking – I just like stood there because I was 15. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and they were like, you can, you can put your arm around. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Um, turns out I'm in great shape and look really good, but I don't feel that way. Um, and this is you in high school. Yeah, yeah. They were just really, okay. they were really supportive and really like. I felt like even afterwards, I, I I took girls that I was dating over to their house when I was in college and afterwards <laughs> to see what they thought about her. Like I, you know, until I was in my mid, you know, late twenties, I did that. Well, um, it's one thing if it's your friend, you know, but you're not a girl, and. The relation, well, although, you know, your mom was pretty, I think your mom was just excited for you to be around anyone who didn't reject you after five or six minutes of discovering your five iron frenzy fanaticism. Like, that's, a, that's a bit much, sir. It is. Do you want to hear my, my analysis of Bluecomb 78? No. <laughs> Good day to you. No, I, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I remember, like, when one of our buddies had a, had a daughter, people were like, go, go, go get the shotgun. <sighs> and I was like, shut the hell up. Like, like, what are you, like, stop this. Right, I get that. I get that, how stupid that is. But I don't know how to let another man love her. Right? I don't that's know. That's selfish. The cool, uh, I don't care, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do I care about that? I am wrapped around their fingers. They literally bat their eyes, and I try my best not to cave. But yeah, it is so hard. It is so hard, especially when they get their own little personalities when they're like three, four, five years old. And all you want for them is to not experience the horror that you yourself were in middle school. Yeah. Okay. So here's two thoughts on that. One, tonight we took Everly to a school thing, and it was the first time I've really seen her, like, interact with other kids, because she's starting to, like, walk around. She's walking up to kids. She's seeing things that she likes. So she saw, like, all, all of the cheerleaders in their outfits, and her face, like, mm-hmm. lit up. She kind of walked towards them. And sees, Isn't that so funny? It, it was really kind of cool. And, like, these, there were these girls who were doing, like, these girls probably had to be, like, like you know, like, like eight or seven or, like, um, whatever. They were doing, like, a little, like, hand-clapping thing in a circle, and she was so drawn to that. Like, I just see her just – like, I, I – I already saw, like, oh, she's just, like, it was interesting to see her being drawn to girls because you, you could just tell there was something about what was going on. And she's like, oh, that seems kind of cool. Like, um, and it was really interesting. And it was kind of not, like, heartbreaking, but it was – there was this, this, like, element of, like, she's discovering the world now. Like, she's seeing that there's something – like, not only is she going, oh, that's new, but she's like, that's new and I want to, like, get up close and maybe be a part of that. Yeah, which with that comes risk, right? With that comes like vulnerability, and of course, the thought of someone breaking her heart horrifies me. And I've actually talked to Aaron about this because Aaron's like, I really want to protect her from that in terms of dating and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I do. Like, I do. I mean, I do. I do. I do. But I, I would. I think in my heart of hearts, I would rather her learn how to persevere. 
because to me that's way more important than not having your heart your heart your heart broken. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see what happens when like we get to that point in time. You know, so this is it's easier for me to say this when she's you know almost uh, fourteen almost fourteen months old. But I really do think that I want her. I think I want her to date. I want to provide context so that. Um, chastity is not only the only option but like a thing that she desires and the people that she dates that they desire as well as much as a 15 year old boy can which i think a lot of them do it's just you know like <laughs> good luck um i don't know I, I, i've been blabbing for a bit like what do you think no i stand by my original statement i can't see my baby girl going with any boy who is worthy of her and uh, like, I'm going to make damn sh- like I'll agreed, agreed. Everything you're going to say is a rational argument to the contrary. But we live in an emotivist culture, Luke, that is driven solely by emotions. And emotionally, I can't wrap my mind around a boy worthy of my daughter. But I guess it doesn't like I'm with you. I just get a little bit worried that like it things like that foster un- un- unhealthy dating. Oh yeah, yeah they do. You know what I mean? Almost no dating. Like, but no, but like this thing of like stupid, where like you put dating on a like I I I'm not saying like like women are not to be respected or like of course of course I'm not I'm not trying to like argue that at all. I do think I think a lot of women would agree like they want to be treated like human beings. Being treated well and being treated like a princess are not the same thing. True. Some girls tend to be attracted more to like this is why I think a lot of girls aren't attracted to nice dudes because they are. They put them on a pedestal, and I think that's unattractive to a lot of girls. Like truly, truly, I'm I'm saying there, you know, there is a thing of like, like I adore my wife. I like doing things for her because I adore her, but she also drives me nuts, and I can fully admit that. Like if you putting her, and this is not like I I don't know. I'm not saying this is what like you're doing, but if if we think that like a like a like that a woman is unworthy of all potential like suitors it's like well you're denying her her like of humanity because they have they have flaws i would rather my i'd rather everly connect with a person than a date someone who is infatuated with with her and i i mean the truth not like in the i mean like the like you know i don't want her to walk all over a person because that's not going to be good for her. Yeah, no, boys are gross, and they are not worthy of my daughter. I just keep coming back to that. <laughs> boys are gross. Have you met boys? Do you remember you in sixth grade? Yeah, he was awesome. You were the worst, Luke. He had poofy hair. He, he was, was so much fun. He was a little bit scared of uh, Jurassic Park you still. Did but... <laughs> <laughs> he was a good dude. You had, you had a perm. You had nothing but, like, love and respect for women. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. It is very difficult for me to conceptualize someone dating my 11-year-old. Yeah. However. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. However, when my daughter is 16 and then legally allowed to leave my house, I mean, I mean to, like, go to the grocery store or anything, um, I will have to jump that hurdle when I come to it. Because even the idea of it and some boy, you know, obviously I know life and stuff. happens and all that and i know i'm kicking against the goads with it all but because i only know her as an 11 year old i don't know her as a 16 year old who's responsible and mature and able to take care of herself and i tell my daughter all the time i don't raise princesses princesses are meant to be spoiled queens are meant to reign i love that i I raise queens right yeah and i say that i really do i say that all the time because the idea like i'm not here to spoil my daughters they gotta work and they gotta work hard and they gotta work for every good thing that they have because that's life. You got to work for it. And that's salvation because I'm a Pelagian heretic. But on top of that, the boys that enter into their world, they need to understand that I view them as how can I put this in a in a in a good light? I can't help right now, as my daughter is 11, of viewing a 16-year-old boy taking my 16-year-old daughter out on a date as anything other than a usurper and a corrupter. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what they are. She's going to become a truant. I don't, she's going yeah. to do the drugs because of this boy. And so, I don't know if you're really going to do that, though. Do you have two ones mm. the heart of like a youth minister? I do. I do. And I, all the men that I love have great relationships with the boys in their daughters' lives. Yeah. All the men, all the men that I admire, especially the guys at St. Lawrence that I um, used to, me and Blaisdell used to go to Bible studies with, 
Um, those men, like, they have great relationships with the men that take their daughters out. That's ultimately the guy who I'd want to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I still want to put the fear of God into them. I still want to do that. You know, you know, my girlfriend in high school, the, the only one that I would say I deeply cared about. The rest her them. families. Well, the rest, I didn't really have one. But the only one that was serious, her family, I loved her family, right, uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. And her family was, to me, what you describe about Tristan's family. Mm-hmm. That was my family. That was my friend or my, my girlfriend's family. That before we were dating, we were over their house all the time. They were the hub. We loved it. All of our friends loved it. When I went on dates, half the time our friends came with us or showed up afterwards or we texted them and actually texting didn't exist. We borrowed our parents' cell phones and called their landlines and they came and joined us. We sent a message um, to their pagers. Oh, gosh. That's actually true. 911. <laughs> Next question. Uh, well, let me ask you one. Can I, can I just add one quick yeah. thing to this? I think I really like how people in Idaho, I, I honestly would like watch movies with Tristan and her family. Like our friends, our friends would do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want my, I don't know if I want Everly to like watch a movie downstairs alone with a boy that she is dating. I want to try to limit opportunities. I mean, they're going to be alone. I get it. But at our house, I want to try to limit that. But I hope that they don't want to like, most yeah. kids actually want to hang out with adults. They do. They, they, especially high school kids. And I want to give them the opportunity to do that. They're going to go to their own thing, and they have to do that to, to a I'm certain extent. But I, I hope that we are around a community of people whose families have the same values that we do, and the yes. kids have, for the most part, the same um, values. Because, like, honestly, like, I just want her to try. I want her to be with kids who are trying. If she hangs out with the friends that I had or the friends that we had at Umla College, like, what more could we ask for than that? That was wonderful. My parents, whenever I said, hey, can some friends come over later? My mom's response was, what am I doing? Feeding the neighborhood? <laughs> so that <laughs> Teresa. Oh, I love her. I live. I know. What am I feeding, feeding the whole freaking neighborhood Luke, over here? How's your family? You leave the how's fr- your family? You look good, Luke. She does say that. I love it. But... For the martinis, the response was, bring everyone over here. I got tons of food to feed. I'll feed them all. Mm -hmm. Bring them all over Mm -hmm. here. And, of course, we're a bunch of high school boys. All we did was eat. It was funny because, like, when you said that, I can picture half a dozen times sitting on the couch watching movies. We all did. I tell this to high school students all the time when they talk about dating. And I said, you're rushing to be so serious. You have your whole life to be so serious. Group dating, being with friends and family. Like, even if you're dating, doing the group thing is almost always the better bet. Mm -hmm. Almost always. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get to go alone and do your own thing. Okay, cool. You go on the dates. You you quaff to your hair. You open the doors. That's fun. But for the most part, like, you want to be with people. Because if you're that couple that drops off the face of the earth because you're dating, you're not dating in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, our friends are hor- are horrible people, but but we're trying. Yeah, like what I don't know. Like what like if I hope that like, um, I hope that like Everly is in college with like you know our friends' kids. You know, I really do. One because CrossFit will be awesome. Two, uh, I I want her to be around. Like though, you guys have profoundly impacted my life, and like, why would I not? Like I want that for 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 her, and yeah. like that means she's got to be open to getting her heart hurt, and it sucks. But I would much rather have her persevere as opposed to breaking down. Going, I could either like be cool or lose my shit. I choose losing my shit, which is a real thing I did. <laughs> I <laughs> want her to be like to just. I think perseverance is something that is severely lacking. In a lot of Christian circles right now, it's the thing that we, I, th- I just think in general, we just don't talk about it. It's not a virtue that we say is, you know, that we highlight. And I, 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 I need more of it within my own life. Um, we, we do it in sports. But we don't do it in, in like other things. And it really right. wasn't incredible. It really like I'm amazed how what I learned in sports has helped me in other things in my life. And in like other ways, I'm not so much. I, it's something we need to we need to 
do more of. And I don't know like what better way to like to learn that than in the field of love. Mm. It's a school of love that as parents we should initiate our beautiful children into because of our witness and example and our openness to broadening the community. Exactly. However, the risk always comes that when they actually find love, they leave our hearts, hearths, and homes. But that's okay because they go to start a home of their own. Yeah. And then after two years, they get divorced and they move <laughs> back in. I just, I really hope that like whoever dates Everly, and who knows, perhaps it's only ever going to be one, one person and that's fine. It's going to be my son. Noah. A little weird, but <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, our family, what if we, what if we, what if we join our families together? I'm telling you, it should be like a Habsburg <laughs> thing, Luke. You don't have any choice in the matter. We need to unite the family. Shannon Aaron, can you take, we, we got some things to do. Why are you guys up sharing a room? No, 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 it's fine. We actually have two separate beds. Don't worry, it's not weird. We just we've got some routines <laughs> that if we're sleeping in the same house, like just Shannon, we are one family now. <laughs> Our kids are married. <laughs> one family now. Not only are we a business they're not even now, married. They, they're gonna go on a date like as a fun thing. They're not even married. Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, don't you ruin this for me. Shannon, I need this. I mean, Luke, I have a room. You and Eric can go wherever the hell you want. We don't care. Go to a movie. Go do it. Actually, don't go out. Stay here, please. Watch the kids. But <laughs> Luke's just got to <laughs> fall asleep and pass out and just give the kids his phone. Be like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Shannon, I got a bottle of vodka and a bottle of Kahlua and some heavy whipping cream. White Russians are happening tonight. Get out. Shannon, here's the thing. We just ran the gauntlet three times, if you know what I'm saying. Do you remember that? It was a fun <laughs> game. We did it so you guys would have to be the responsible Oh, ones. that was... That was fun. <laughs> what? How did that work? Who cares? You got a deck. Of What's the next ten minute topic? No, no, no. I, I want to hash this out really quick. You got a deck of cards. Did you have to guess the number? I can't remember. And drink the difference. It's been fifteen years. Yeah. Oh gosh. I used to do it with Shannon. All <laughs> I did it with Shannon all the time. Listen, you ass clown. This is how you play the game. You have a row of cards in front of you. You flip one over, and you have to guess whether the next one, which is face down, is higher or lower than the one you just flipped. If you're right, your opponent drinks. If you're wrong, you drink. And you just keep going and going and going through the whole deck of cards. That, my friend, is how you run the gauntlet. All right, last last thing. Uh, what age will you be like, hey, if you, like, now is, like, I think it's cool to tell kids the the age that they can date they probably won't stick to it but like at least be like hey like yeah. this is gonna happen though but not till this time if you had to pick an age what would it be mine's 16 because same. i need her to be able to drive away same yeah same same I, i'm i'm completely with you okay I, I have friends and high school students that i've done ministry with that have told me one too many horror stories about being out at the party and they can't get home Bec- and and that's kind of like the point because they're 15 or 14 and now they're being taken advantage of because they can't get home. And I have a policy. I, I heard a dad say this. I will, if you are ever in a remotely dangerous position, you're at a party, you're wasted, I don't care. You call me and I will make a promise that I will not talk to you about it yep. for 24 hours. Yeah. And that's just, if, if your, your life your bodily integrity, your sense of safety matters more to me than what do you mean you were underage drinking at a party, blah, blah, blah. You're at some bonfire in the middle of nowhere, and some boy is like, well, I'm not going to take you home unless you put out. Number one, I now have a Glock 19 Gen 5. That's I'm coming different. after yeah. you. That's, that's, that's different. But I've, I've heard so many. And the boys don't think that's rapey, right? They're, they're two beers in, and they're just trying to get some. Right, and so they end up using every ploy. They don't think how rapey that is, and the girls, meanwhile, feel bullied and intimidated, and the men aren't even thinking in that thing. So obviously, we need to help the men realize that that's like wildly inappropriate and horrible. Yeah. But also for the girls, we need them to feel like, well, my dad's gonna come, and hell's coming with them. <laughs> right. Dad, so I, I heard uh, something kind of along those lines. A person said the best role that my parents ever had was there was a word that she could text them and they would call her and say, Hey, it's time. We, we just, I'm going to need you to come home. So she, so she could tell her friends, my parents are calling me. I have, I have got to go and she could either come home or they would go and go and um, get her. And it was okay. like, um, no questions asked. Yeah. And I'm like, same That's thing. Smart. That's exactly what I, I like, you know, exact same thing. Like just no. Now if it happens like 10 times a year, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> like 
you don't want to party with old Luke. Yeah, because I mean, listen, <laughs> your dad has been drinking. Um, so, all right, uh, which is, a, I guarantee you, it's the thing that's going to happen. So, but, like, yeah, I just hope she just, I hope she wants to be around adults. I want her to have that opportunity yeah. and her friends too. So, there was some weird, like, loud noise here, and Aaron wants me to go check and see what, what's going on. Do you want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, I do. I do. Because I'm, I'm, I have to go, I have to go, I'll check something. There's a weird, loud noise, and we don't know what, what it was. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, uh, all right. All right, ladies you, and gentlemen, audios. If you feel like this is bad, I can redo some stuff. So sorry that I got. No, I thought it was good. Honestly, I love it. Right. I love. I love this episode. Right. I love you, and I love you. Right. I love you more than your wife does. What?